Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Hey, welcome back to the Call That Girl's Office 365 show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 86. If you want to check out my past shows and notes, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash office365. And before we get going this week on this week's episode, I'm going to talk about App River, our friends over there who have been sponsoring the show. I've been with them for over four years now, having them help me with, um, I'm a partner with them. And they do sales and support for my Office 365 clients. Uh, if you don't know the difference between a partner and a reseller, is a partner is great for small businesses like myself who don't want to handle all the back-end invoicing and billing and first-level easy stuff kind of calls like password resets and just little simple things like create new accounts. Um, my clients really appreciate their 24 by 7 U.S.-based technicians and that they never have to call Microsoft. And I continue with my work as a help desk tech for them and support them with the prepay tickets. But if you want to be a reseller, you can sign up with that. And then you do all the invoicing yourself and all the first level tech support. And then you get to use AppRiver, their backend techs for your issues as well. So if you're interested, talk to Steve Harris. His email is sharris at appriver.com. And if you happen to just call or, um, or uh, send in an email to their sales department, be sure to let them know that Call That Girl sent you because they do have a 10-seat minimum. And for small shops like myself, you can bypass that by mentioning Call That Girl, and they'll let you in with the one-seat minimum. Okay, gang. Well, this week, I decided to have a guest on because it's been many, many weeks. I mean, probably since last fall since I had a guest on. And I was just kind of like, you know, doing my own thing, whatever. But I met a, Another guy out there who's been doing a newer podcast, and he's not 100% focused on Office 365, but some of his work might be interesting to a lot of you listeners out there, because I know a lot of you do his work already, so it'll be nice pairing for you. Um, he's a sysadmin, like I said, who also supports Office 365, and his perspective from the day-to-day battles are different than what I do, so it'll be a nice back and forth. So this week, I'd like to welcome Paul Joyner. He's a sysadmin, and his podcast is Sysadmin Today, where he talks about all his sysadmin stories and everything else. Welcome, Paul. Hey, welcome, Lisa. Thank you for hey. having me. No problem. How are you loving the podcasting? I really enjoy it. It's laborious, but it is a lot of fun, and it's for mentally for me. It's been great uh, with all the work that I do, all the many hours I put in, I have a, you know, three small kids. So podcasting is almost, even though it's a lot of work, it's almost my, my getaway, if you will. And it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, what's a lot of work for you? I'll compare it to my lot of work. <laughs> uh, well, in, in hours, uh, I would say a light week, 60 hours, um, probably 60 to 80 hours a week, something like that. Wait, that you work on the podcast? No, no, no. Oh, I thought, oh, I thought you were oh, talking sorry. about like my, my day job, my day job. All right. <laughs> Um, no podcasting. Um, what I do is, uh, basically for my content is I take, uh, basically just all the years of my experience and I just try to boil it down to a, to a topic. And then sometimes I'll throw in, um, cause a lot of people giving me responses. They like those stories from the trenches type stories. Mm-hmm. They seem to really like that. And so throughout my work week, what I'll do is I'll just kind of actually, I have a, um, a document that I just write down things, you know, that I deem interesting and then I'll then I'll talk about that, you know, uh, through some of the um, uh, podcasts that I do, and and go from there. But uh, so far, the reaction's been pretty good. Yeah, it. What I've learned from my podcasting is um, I get most of the responses from my listeners is when I talk about the most horrifying stuff I've ever dealt with. <laughs> exactly. They love hearing how crappy your job went because they deal with it too. So it's kind of like we all commiserate together. Yes, they don't feel alone. That's no. exactly right. And th- and that they love the uh, learning from your stories. I found that um, sometimes I would cut off a story and forget or whatever. And they were like, I like learning how you closed it and finished it. Yes. So that's why, yeah. yeah. Because they learn from us too. And um, I don't really know a lot about what you're, you know, what a sysadmin does. I mean, I worked in the corporate world. So maybe you should start by telling us what a sysadmin does for those that are listening that don't know. Then we can roll along from there because 
I really don't know 100%. <laughs> well, um, basically, I guess in simple terms, I guess you can say a sysadmin <coughs> is basically responsible for the the day to day, the upkeep, the security, uh, the maintenance of the hardware and the software um, assets that are for the company. And, um, you know, they, they make sure they have to, you know, from a software audit perspective, uh, of course, I mentioned security is a real big one because mm-hmm. and, and, basically if there's someone to blame or something, usually this happens, the first person somebody will go to. So it's one of those, uh, you have to really stay on your toes, especially if you're working for stuff, you know, like, you know, HIPAA related or in the, you know, um, financial sector. Uh, cause about half of my career came from the banking industry. So I was, I was in, in oh, yeah. that side of things. And so I was in, which, um, so I, so I have a, you know, a strong, that aspect of, of the network, but now I'm more of a consultant. So now I'm kind of like a, I'm like a sysadmin for a lot of companies because there's a lot of value in companies outsourcing their IT department. Cause you know, for one thing, IT departments don't go on vacation. You don't have to pay them HR, you know, type of overhead. Um, and you just tend to get more bang for your dollar. Um, of course, not all companies, you know, fit that mold. But that's basically what, what what I do for a living. And so, you know, I probably manage about or my company um, that I work with manages probably about 2000, you know, somewhere about 2000 end users or more, 2500, something like that. How many different companies? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I would say from an active company perspective, maybe about 50 50, 55, something oh, like that. That's kind of cool. You know, I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah. So we, uh, so basically it, it depends. Some companies we do a hundred percent of everything for, uh, you know, down from, you know, we manage from managing their domain all the way to managing their endpoints. Um, and some things we're, we're more of a niche. We'll go in and, you know, we'll, you know, maybe we'll manage the office 365 and this, you know, or we'll do, uh, the, the data center portion of it. And then um, or some some things we might just be like uh, disaster recovery, you know, and uh, doing like uh, continuing operations like the coops and things like that. The DR um, stuff that in-house IT departments hate. They'll usually outsource it to us, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll help them with it. So it was really a mix, mix and match of, you know, just depends on what they need and what they uh, want us to do for them. Yeah. How many employees do you have? We have about, let's see, that's I think about 10 now. Oh, nice. So you're kind of like MSP, but for sysadmin stuff. Yeah, I guess you can think of it that way. Yeah, you we, guys we actually manage the MSP stuff, like the, the, um, like the, um, like the, all the managed services also. And do you? Yes. Oh, yeah. it's a mix and match. So we have break fix customers. I guess that's a. I guess that's probably what most people understand. So we have a break fix, uh, break fix, break fix customers, yeah. and then we have, uh, I guess, what they call, um, you know. Uh, basically what they do, they, they'll buy a block of hours. And those are our, those are our managed customers. And they, you know, some of them, you know, uh, we'll use our help desk services for that. And then some, you know, we'll buy a block of hours or sometimes use it for break fix. So it, it's, yeah. it's a different mold for us. And, uh, and, and it just depends on what, you know, what they do and, um, and kind of go from there. So with help desk, you get a lot of included things, you know, with it, the, the, you just kind of pay like a flat fee for that. Yeah. So you guys are a managed service company then? Yes. Yes. Okay, we, so yeah. that's where I'm very familiar with the word. See, to me, a sysadmin, just from just from my past corporate experiences, is that I worked at the help desk, and then we had like the network engineers, right? And then it went up from there, and then it went to directors and operations and all mm-hmm. that. So I really don't use the word sysadmin a lot, but when you say it in a perspective of managed services, that's where the listeners might be more like, "Oh, that's what we do." Right. But I'm sure, honestly, I don't want to make anybody. Go, Lisa, you're stupid. You, you don't know what that is. But I mean, I have some listeners that are clients, so it's good for everybody to know. But I am I see a lot of managed service stuff out there, Paul. Oh, my God. Everybody's doing it. It's kind of, I think managed services is now, you know, you know how cloud was the buzzword. You know, I think managed in our industry, I think now managed service, managed services is now the new buzzword. Yeah. And some people really like it. Some people can't stand it. Um, but well, basically, it, managed services, you can think of it as a, is a subscription and, and, and hate to say it, but that's the way the world is now. <laughs> Everything is a subscription based, whether you, you know, like it or don't. 
um, that's just the way it's going. And um, and really, IT is no different. IT was nothing but just a capital expenditure for everything, perpetual capital, perpetual yep. capital. Now it's you rent it <laughs> from us and you go from there. But I mean, that, that's just the that's just the way the uh, industry is changing now. Yeah. Do you guys do the hardware rental with the, or not rental, but do you include the hardware? Uh, it depends. Like, so um, we, if it, it depends on what the customer wants with, you know, uh, it, it just falls into different ones. So we, uh, we do a lot with Microsoft Azure. So we picked Azure to be our uh, infrastructure that we, you know, we that basically, we kind of figure out which one we wanted. We liked Azure and then and it just, you know, fit our model. And so we just became experts at, at Azure. And so that's, um, hosted infrastructure, whereas, you know, you know, on premise now more and more things are going to not only from infrastructure, but your applications are now becoming, you know, you know, SAS or, you know, yeah. like I said, having QuickBooks, now you do QuickBooks online or, and uh, so on and so forth. So a lot of a- endpoint applications that companies run are now becoming um, just software subscriptions that they buy and they don't have to have, you know, in-house servers to run those anymore. Yeah, I still get so many clients that are like, can I just buy the new office? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, you can. And it'll be like 2007. You'll own it for 10 years. And, you know, that's how some people like it. Yeah. You remember back in the day when you used to, you would buy something full retail and then you used to be able to get that upgrade license. You know, oh, I got that upgrade license for like, and it was like half the cost. Yeah. And, uh, well, basically, that's a dinosaur. You don't. That's that. You just don't see that anymore. Uh, especially, especially in Microsoft uh, world. Right. Uh, upgrade licenses are just a figment of the imagination now. Oh, I'm getting to the point where um, when people have Outlook 2010, I almost tell them it's geriatric. Okay, <laughs> it's really on its last legs because this last. Um, you probably are familiar with the June 13th update that caused havoc around the world. Uh, that's when it broke search and all uh, like you it. should see my Google stats, Paul. It is it bro- insane. It broke IE too. You couldn't print out IE yeah. as well. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of people in uh, this other, <laughs> the Saski group I'm in that are saying that it broke uh, some PDF stuff in Adobe too. Yes. But anyway, exactly. it, it, it was so bad that I just told people, look, I'm going to be honest. 2010 is so old. Any update now. I mean, the one client I saw had 50 updates for 2010. On the 13th, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He must have never updated, right? Right. But that's because he's not on man services, right? But people don't care about that. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, we can't roll those back. <laughs> that's just too far gone. It's almost like, you know, you got to pull it off the skeleton. So I was like, just upgrade. Pay the pay the money and upgrade, you know? Kind of the Band-Aid, just whoop, get right. it over with and, you know, just move move forward. Yeah, and that's where I've learned that with my clients, I do a really good uh, client agreement form prior to the job, which is probably like your, you know, when you guys go get a client, you got to vet them and find out what you're going to onboard and all that. Exactly. And me, I can only do it for the one hour job. So I'm like, okay, what I even ask them, what version of Outlook do you have, blue or orange? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I didn't think about it that way. That's that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Make it as simple uh, as possible. I do, and then they say it's blue, and then I'm like, okay, now is it 13 or 16? So I tell them, look at the top of Outlook. If it has a light bulb, it's 16. So I really yeah. had to get down to make this easier because 13 is not so bad. But I mean, I, I could talk about Outlook all day long. But um, so would, would you guys uh, would you guys use for your uh, the Office um, subscription? Do you stream it, or do you have uh, something from your servers, or do you do virtual? Well, for, for, for subscriptions, like how we manage our Office 365 subscriptions. Yeah. Okay. Well, what we do is, well, Microsoft just changed out. We used to, way back when, we used to, because we probably, been, it's probably been about six years. So we've been one of the early adopters. When Wave 13, um, was it Wave 13? God, I'm, I'm so rusty. Basically, when, when Exchange 2013 came out and Office 365 changed to, wave, I think it's called Wave 13, which is probably about five or six years ago, about five yeah. years ago. That's basically when we when we really started hammering Office 365 out to um, our customers. Uh, so basically, out of our entire customer base, we probably I think we have two on-premise Exchange servers left, and I'd be happy wow. days when they go away. Are they 2007? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh darn! Is there going 20, away? Uh, yeah, 2010, just uh, 2010 service pack threes. <laughs> but um, so they used to have something called the advisor program, but so no, so they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, basically they paid you a finder's fee and then every quarter they gave you, I forgot what the percentage was. So now uh, what we're doing is we work with a company called Ingram Micro and they yeah. have a huge partnership with um, 
Microsoft and they have a really nice, actually award winning Microsoft gave them like the, the, their main or whatever uh, award for it. And uh, so we do a, it's basically like a referral program yeah. where, where Ingram micro charges the customer and then we get a commission based off of that. And wow. it's actually been really nice because the referral program pays significantly more than what the advisor program did. So that was a nice, um, once we got everybody moved over to it, that was a, that was a nice, you know, so the bonus. clients don't call Ingram for support though. They have to call you. Oh yes. Everything still goes through us. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that Ingram had that kind of plan. Um, you know, I always try to keep my eyes on what everybody's doing because there's so many ways to sell office now. And I found that most MSPs want their billing under their own umbrella. Well, there, we, we looked at it. There's two different ways of doing it. The referral program, like I mentioned, they, you know, Ingram Micro in our case handles everything. They pay us a commission. And the second program was called CSP. Now with CSP, yeah. we basically handle all the billing. So every month we bill the customer. And so what we did with all the customers that we had with it, we were basically going to have to hire another person. All they were going to do full time was just bill Office 365. Yeah. And so by the time we factored in that cost and everything that goes along with that, of course, now you get double the commission for that, for mm. doing it. But by the time we factor everything, we were losing money. So we, we just yeah. that's why we decided to go with the referral program. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a lot of folks that are doing the CSP. A lot of, um, here's what I try to do because App River is one of the sponsors for the show is I try mm-hmm. to you know always say, of course, that's what I use, but there's always other people that have to do other things. Right. Um, and uh, there's Ingram and there's a bunch of others. So I think if you're just starting out and you're going to be evaluating companies, the first thing I would recommend is call them and talk to them and figure out how responsive they are to you. Uh, because that to me is the most important thing. Yeah, I think with App River, I think a huge bonus for that, uh, especially if you're starting out or you want to you want to have an Office 365 type business. And I was overhearing this when you were talking in. I haven't personally had to deal with App River, but when you said you have basic American based support. That is huge. Yeah. Me, that is, that is, uh, if I was just starting out, that would be a very, very strong indication to go that route. Um, I just been, I'm, I'm an old fart with Microsoft and I've been dealing with them for so long. So it's not yeah. that big of a deal for me. But when you're, when, when you don't have that experience or back end, that is, that is huge. And, um, it is. and most of my clients, cause I don't do the billing for them, they, you know, they're a little more expensive and I'll be honest about it. But my God, for if you want to have, you know, not an offshore experience, you pay extra. Yeah. And I'll be honest. It's a lot of people are, they're frustrated with stuff. So I'm like, Hey, for an extra, you know, a couple bucks a month for $25 a year, it's worth it. You know? Well, in business, that's, that's a new model too. Uh, Lisa is, I mean, take something as simple. Like we'll take Dell, for example, I can buy that Dell server, but it, you know, and it comes with basic, uh, um, say warranty or support with it. Yeah. But if I want, you know, localized support and, you know, you know, basically a, a more better experience after buy pro support to get that. <laughs> so, uh, so US having that, so it's no different than hardware or, you know, 365, you know, it's, you know, those few extra dollars in mailbox, wherever I have no idea how much it costs, but, but support is huge. And when you're down and, and your business needs it, uh, yeah. it's paid for itself the first time. Yeah. You know what also I like, I'm just, I'm just going to say this is that when you call them, you actually get a first level person that answers the phone mm-hmm. and they transfer, transfer you to the right department. All so right. Sales, you go to a sales rep. There's no like, um, you know, interacting the sales and the tech people, they have duties and that's all they do. And you're not going to get upsold from a technician. Like they, they will, if it's what you have to do, you know, like if let's say your outlook's broke or whatever, but their, their job is to not be sales. Their job is to be a tech. So right. I don't know how other companies do it, but I just know that if you call GoDaddy, it's first thing you're going to be told is to buy all their junk <laughs> from a tech, you know. <laughs> well, like well, if you do, well, if you think about it, if you do Microsoft, um, you have a two-hour call back. So you would call, put in your information. Two hours later, you will get India-based ba- India or offshore-based uh, response back, and then you. Now I will say this: if you if you're not getting a lot of within say. I would say give them about 15, 20 minutes. If you're not feeling good about it and say, look, we need to escalate this to another tier, then you will get a, you know, uh, an American based um, oh. supporting engineer after that. But you, but it takes a little bit of him and hawing, but it is out there for, so anybody's ever had any trouble with support, but um, I will say give tier one a chance, you know, really, cause <laughs> I mean, they're usually, they're usually they do have their, their scripts and they have, you know, their training, but if you're not getting an answer, pretty quickly within or what you deem quickly 
has to be transferred to next level. And then that's yeah. usually um, American based. And you know what I've been telling folks with this 2010 being all wonked up and stuff is upgrade to 16. Then if it doesn't break, you can go in their chat and they'll fix it for free because they will fix their product that you're right. paying subscription for. And here's what I tell my clients is I'm 140 an hour. And the last thing I want to do is spend four hours fixing your broken outlook. I can fix the insides of outlook. Give me a config. I can fix that. Give me an IMAP on Google with 60 gigs. I'll fix that. <laughs> but if your outlook is broken, won't install correctly, they will support that for free. And, and I've actually had really good response lately. I might have to say in the last year, their chat when they remote in has been excellent. Okay. And, I, and I'm really happy to say that um, 2016 was so buggy for a long time. But Ooh, man, the beginning of it was terrible. Uh, horrible. <laughs> but it finally, well, I think once they um, took away 2013, they had to have their shit together at that point. Because 13 was the last one where you could manually config. Yeah, know? 13. Yeah, thirteen was also the last one that had um, from a from like a sysadmin type of perspective. Again, was the last one that did SCP connections. So basically, what that means is that when when you're in a, an exchange world, would exchange if you had an exchange account, the first thing that it would try to do is look for the SCP account. So it didn't do auto discover at mm -hmm. first. Twenty sixteen is auto discover nothing. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. do that SCP lookup anymore. No, and uh, that's that's been a lot of sysadmins I've seen, you know, that I've had to help out uh, quite a bit. But there's something to look out for. Have you seen the new connector? Uh, that doesn't work for manual. It actually you can't even click a button. It's froze out. I've done it on three oh, computers. Wow. Well, when you're here's the thing: when you're in Outlook and you go to File, you go here. I'm gonna do it right now and go to the Account Settings and hit New. It brings up this Welcome to Outlook box. Okay. Enter an email address to add your account. Well, okay. So let's say you want to do pop from Comcast, right? Right. You put in the email and then you say, let me set up automatically. The connect button doesn't even work. Oh, wow. that, I've done it on three computers. So let's say you do put in something at Comcast. Then it brings you to this option of we're getting things ready and it spins and spins. And then it gives you six options of what type of account it is. So those that are listening and you've got third or 16, do it right now because you're going to see a whole new world of setting up an account in Outlook. And it also does it in the control panel. So gotcha. it, it's really been challenging for me because I like doing stuff manually. Well, let me ask you this because I haven't had to deal with it because one thing, because I, I, I am a fan of your show. And I listen oh, to you. it because I, I like I, I just like it's a bit nice because it just stays in perspective with you no know, with with the tech um, and with Outlook and 365 in particular. One thing I hear, hear you have a lot of trouble with is IMAP. And I never I, at least <laughs> in my work, I never have to do anything with IMAP anymore because I'm basically exchange or nothing. Yeah. And, um, and I just hear so much with IMAP. I think the only thing I have IMAP for is my wife's. Um, um, account we have downstairs the computer and i think i set up once that i haven't even you know thinked about using it again but it seems like imaps you know still kind of a bane of your existence right now oh imap is um horrifying for me but the thing is it's my money so i have to like love hate it and, <laughs> gotcha. and get this so imap has gotten okay so here's the biggest thing about imap is people don't understand the difference between pop and imaps and technicians most mm -hmm. But like they'll have um, a pop account on Comcast and then they call Comcast for help. Comcast sets it up as IMAP. So uh -huh. then they're like, where's all my folders? They're not on the IMAP. They're not here. They're not on my other computers. So then they actually try to import in, oh, let's just say a nice 20 gig PST file from Outlook 2010. They don't understand that it takes a long time to sync, that it's probably not going to work, that the folders aren't going to be there. There's going to be a filter applied. I mean, honestly, it's just a little tiny nightmare. So I've got it all figured out now. I'm like the master of IMAP in my hand, right? <laughs> I know it sounds like it. I'm, you know, if I ever have the yeah. IMAP trouble, you're definitely going to probably be my first contact. <laughs> um, but I know like the biggest thing with IMAP, you know, like I, like you said, I got you. I know it contacts in your calendar is not part of your IMAP file, correct? That doesn't get synced. No. It's just it's just your, your folder structure. Yeah. So let, let's just say your wife is like, oh, I love my IMAP on my free cable email I have. And then she's got an iPhone and she's like, well, I'm going to use the iCloud in there too. So that adds another technology. Right. Or sometimes people use iTunes to sync the contacts and calendar. And that's the basis of all the calls I get is something's breaking. It's set right. up fine, but then the nightmares happen, you know? So like yesterday, just to let you know, I took a call. The lady said, 
I've been on Microsoft. They have 197 hours build with me, oh. not build, but tracked. Holy smokes. 38 hours with, I think it was Apple, and six hours with AT&T. So I'm going, man, this lady's got like a full month of billable time in, right? Oh, I did the math. And she, I called her and she was crying. <laughs> she was I think, like, honestly, I think I'll be crying too. Oh, but, that, that's, ins- that's, that's just, <laughs> un- that's just insane. Well, what's more insane is it's Friday afternoon and she wanted help before Sunday. And I was like, no, thanks. Um, oh. I'm not going to have a 12 hour weekend at my rate trying to fix this, but I called her to calm her down. And here's what I said to her. Um, you've been dealing with people that don't understand iCloud. The iCloud broke. So that's all it is. Right. And I could fix that. And then I'm like, so she's on IMAP. She's been using iTunes. She's got an iPhone. She's got a Gmail account. And I was like, yeah, it'll be two or three hours of work, but let's just put you on exchange. Well, then the word exchange to her is like, that's going to cost money. I'm like, you just put in 250 hours. Yeah, you just basically pay for like five years worth of exchange service. (laughs) Right. So I don't get the mentality of let's keep breaking broken stuff. So Back to the whole IMAP thing you said, I just finished out on my client agreement form because I deal with so many Gmail problems that I actually have a new place on my form that says, if you're a Gmail user using IMAP, you have to read these expectations first, that this is going to be surgery for you. Right. Up to a week, we're going to have to back up everything. We're going to back up your contacts, your calendar, your entire IMAP. I do server spot checks. And it is a week to fix that. But I'm like, you know, these people have been pushing their limits, Paul, with how much they can get without a breaking. And Gmail has no end time. It's, you couldn't have as much in there as you want, 100 gigs. Well, I tell you what, users can do amazing things when stuff like that. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen 100 gig PST files. Yeah. I'm like, how is this possible? Well, I mean, uh, right. this was 2010. And basically 2010 is what, 50, 50 gigs is the max? On no, it was 20. Uh, is it 20? Okay. Uh, uh, well, I, I know, cause I know two, yeah, 2007 was the year. And then um, I thought 2010 bumped it. I could, it, it, it changed. It's so many different oh, levels, but I've seen a, seriously, I've seen a hundred gig PST files and it's, and it's not, and it works. And I'll just, uh, was um, that exchange? it had to be exchange. Uh, yeah, it was exchange. Holy shit. Yeah. I've never seen, I think the biggest I've seen is 60 some. Well, it it was exchange system, but what what they did is they basically it was it was basically the auto archive that you can do in Outlook, and so it was archiving you know every so every so much uh, you know this guy's oh it's okay. probably been an employee for you know a long very long period of time, and basically he had a you know he had a huge archive file that um that was that was one of the come out that exchange used to be one of my beans from a sysadmin because you always you basically had to. Users' mailboxes couldn't be, you know, 50, 100 gigs like they are now. You know, you had maybe a, you know, a four gig mailbox limitation. Right. You know, <laughs> That's like why that. worked. <laughs> you know, so our, so everybody had auto archives and, you know, you tried to manage that and you say, okay, you need to make sure you store these archives and we tell them where to store it. You know, like everybody had like home directories. You put them in your home directory. Yeah, H drive. And of course, <laughs> and of course ne- nobody ever put it in the home directory. And so when the hard drive crashed on their computer, you know, 80% of their historical emails were, were history. Yeah, and trying you to just brought back a lot of memories for me, Paul, of the old network, old corporate days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so much of it's changed. It's so much better now. I mean, 365 alone has saved me so much time not administering all the pains of exchange. Matter of fact, I, uh, I just, you know, uh, we're talking about in podcast, I just kind of had a huge example of, um, you know, managing a, an emergency outage of, uh, of an exchange, of an exchange um, server that we we inherited. And I was like, man, I do not miss these days. Yeah. And it's it's just the storage alone, the storage that you, you don't have to manage alone. It's just a lifesaver for me personally. And uh, and I love exchange. I really do. But I just don't. But I don't like on-premise exchange. <laughs> well, no, because that's really where it's, you know, I mean, there's I know there's some techs that still want it for their protection of their clients, data, compliances, whatever. And, and I think, honestly, some I've heard of some techs out there that are still pushing it to keep the money in, which I think well, is. I, I, well, unfortunately, what happens is, is there's some IT politics involved with this. Honestly, 365 Exchange is is more compliant than on premise. It really is. It's more secure. The security and data center, the data loss prevention, um, all the different retentions and everything that you could do, the safeguard the data. It's it's all there. 
uh, on-premise exchange, n- not so much, uh, very little without third-party tools and everything. Like The biggest thing is IT politics. When What happens is, is somebody who has this in their system and, and the company saying, you know, we, we, we want to go to Office 365 for all the, you know, all the good reasons. The, the sysadmin is like, well, man, if that goes to 365, I might lose my job or I might, you know, something. And then they basically are hurting themselves and the company for, for not doing it. Well, I know uh, one of my tech buddies, and I'm just kind of, uh, I'm kind of like freaked out when I heard this, is that he told me of a, a client that he doesn't do his services, but it's a for break fix. And they got talked into two $10,000 servers for three email accounts. I'm like, how did that even happen? Two two $10,000 servers for yeah. three email accounts. Well, they must have had some other stuff going on, but this is a very small company, three people. And I was like, he got robbed. And the thing is, people listen to their trusted, loyal IT person, you know? And I'm like, I don't know the situation. It could be 12 years old too, Paul. You know, I don't know. But I mean- it's like, almost sounds like they have like virtual, like a VMware or Hyper-V cluster yeah. or something like that. And, um, you yeah. know, maybe they're doing it for redundancy, but that seems pretty overkill for, of course, we don't have all the information either, but yeah, right. it does seem overkill. And it is a story from a story, but guess what? We all love hearing those stories of yes, we do. guy that completely <laughs> screwed their clients. Cause I get a lot of those calls. They're like, well, <laughs> my IT guy set up us up for office 365, but doesn't know how to do our SharePoint and our OneDrive is all jacked up and we don't know any of the other stuff we bought. And I'm like, so really what they did is your exchange and that's it. And they go, yeah. So I'm like, so I do the aftercare for those, Paul, that's where I come in. But yeah, that's kind of like the oversell under deliver. Yeah. I, I've seen that a lot with some companies we inherited where, you know, you know, they, they didn't properly set up the OneDrive, you know, they didn't discuss SharePoint, you know, and, what they could do with that and you know how that can help their company skype for business isn't set up or installed or done anything um uh and then now you know now they got some new things you know like with teams uh that seems to be uh, that seems to be very popular um i've had a lot of customers really like that they have they're early adopters and they they they're really you know they really enjoy they're really into it um, but yeah, I see that basically they say, well, the first thing they think of all 365 is email and that's it. And unfortunately yeah. there's so much more value. Yeah, I've been, um, I've actually been doing some paid, uh, consulting gigs for my clients that are like, look, before we buy it, we want to know more about it. So I've done a full hour of basically I just run through every single product and the benefits education and, and, and yeah. And the downfalls like yeah. to your point, here's what I teach people. OneDrive is for one person. SharePoint is for sharing. That's right. And I go, don't get mixed up and don't start, you know, shoving your one terabyte server NAS down the OneDrive's throat and expect that to work. I teach them all the things I know. And the last company was like, this was really good for us because at the end, I found out they were all on Macs. I was like, well, there you go. And a lot of this won't work. <laughs> <laughs> like desktop syncing. <laughs> do, do you do a lot? Do you do a lot with Apple products? Yeah. Well, I, let's put it this way. Um, I don't need to market it because <laughs> it's just, they call, I just do it, you know? So uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm remoting into a Mac. Well, let's see what hellfire I get to deal with today. <laughs> so do, do, you, do you do a lot with like Outlook for Mac or like the built-in mail client that comes with it? Well, uh, most of my people that use the mail, uh, they are either upgrading to Outlook or I don't really deal with mail much. No. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Or the Entourage. Um, oh, Entourage. That no, gives me, I, I deal with 2011 still, and that thing is still pretty choked up. Um, and 2016 is pretty nice, but there's a lot of limitations with Exchange Online and 2016 Mac. Yeah. Just contacts, man. You cannot do much in there. Gotcha. Really bad. So I tell people, boot up to a, a, a Windows 10 in your system and use it there. <laughs> yeah, it always it always trips me out to see um, you know these diehard Mac um, Apple users and they and they basically have a Windows virtual machine right. you know, doing all their business applications. I'm going, this is just that's well, hilarious. They're kind of like they don't want to tell their people that they're not Mac lovers because they bought their four thousand dollar jacked up Mac, you know. <laughs> Or, or my favorite is they buy that hardware and they don't even use the Mac OS and they just boot into a Microsoft operating system on the Mac hardware. That that's 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 my true favorite. I'm like you just paid all this money for this, you know, and it is it's it's beautifully engineered hardware and it's just like and you're booting into Windows. It's like, it's like you're cheating. <laughs> it's like you're cheating on them, like you're cheating on your Mac. It really is. Well, honestly, the the last call I took with 2016, the guy had five email accounts. 
And all of them were IMAPed and they were pending syncs. And I was like, man, I'm just going to tell you, make a new profile. And you know what? Before we do that, I log into each one of the Gmail accounts and I turn off all the um, IMAP that they don't need, like the important folder, all mail, all that bullshit. I make them, I actually make them go through every folder and be like, yeah, that's, you know, because everybody in their mind, Paul, I need every email since birth, you know? Yeah. yeah. You don't need it in Outlook. Let it stay on the Gmail server and let Gmail manage that hoarding you got going on, you know? I say, just Outlook is delicate. It doesn't like 50 gigs five yeah. times. So, well, I not only that, it, yeah, that? I was say, not, not only that, it doesn't like um, when you get so many items in a particular folder, it starts to crash and have issues too. If you know, once you break the, uh, again, you probably know the numbers better than I do, but, uh, um, I remember not so much in the newer ones, but like, I guess you say from the 2010 generation down, but man, when you get to like, say 25, 50,000 items in one box, I mean, it started acting weird too. Oh, it acts up. And I say outlook's angry because what people do is they love folders and they make a folder every couple of days. Oh. And then after a while they got a thousand folders. Yeah. I can attest to that. I've seen some customer, I mean, some crazy folder. I mean, the amount of time I've seen some hierarchies, like the amount of time it took to make that was just utterly insane and how they kept it organized. That's the thing. Well, here it is to me is this, they think they spend so much time organizing it where it's, it's so convoluted. It's not organized anymore. Right. It's so messed up. They don't even know where anything is. And then basically you have to rely on outlook searching, which is, you know, it's gotten better, but it's, it's still not the best in the world, but, um, <laughs> but especially this last patch, right. You know, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, if you deal with users long enough and you've been doing it for a while and I've been doing it, man, you see some um, crazy user behaviors. That's just mind blowing. No, the, the, my favorite is my 24,000 folders, which that was legit. <laughs> Secondly, that broke though. And I had to do a huge repair. It was a 13 gig PS2. I remember, I remember yeah. that episode. I, Cause I was driving, I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> that's hilarious. I know. But the best one was when I took a company off IMAP and the thing is, I've learned is these sneaky clients love having subfolders within subfolders within subfolders. Yes. And if you don't turn off that filter applied now, you are screwing yourself. So always check with IMAP that you turn off all the filters, right? This guy, I actually got carpal tunnel in my finger by because I had to click on every what? folder. My finger was numb. He had 1,300 folders. Whew. I not only had to do, this is before I knew how to do the filter applied thing, Okay. Gotcha. And, and we just tell you that it was a most horrifying experience. Well, maybe it was after the filter applied thing, but anyway, I had to click on each folder to get the mail from the server. I had to do it twice, 1300. Mm. And I was like, my finger was numb and I couldn't even move it afterwards. Cause that's a lot of clicking. But I, I, I mean, the thing is they go so deep in their subfolders that if you don't go look, you don't know it's there. So as a technician, it's your job to go and do a, a, a scope of the work with these big IMAP things because they're, they're, these clients can do some hoarding. Well, I tell you, Lisa, hearing all these stories from you, I'm just it's, it's so glad to hear that you're in this industry. You're, you're in this niche that uh, because all the different applications, you know, the IMAP, the different OSs, the different versions, the different, you know, mix and match with iCloud and Google and, and everything else. And uh, heaven forbid they have Yahoo or AOL. Just, you probably wanted to shoot yourself. <laughs> like that, but um I tell you, with you doing this day in and day out, it's just, uh, I mean, I'm sure you just, the stuff that's in your head and all the nuances that you have come across, is just, uh, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, hence that's why I listened because I could pick oh. up on some tips and tricks. And honestly, what I, I've actually passed some things off to um, uh, my help desk team, I guess you say my tier one team. And, um, and a couple of times it's, it's come in handy and it, it, it's helped out. Yeah. You know, I try to teach while I laugh and, and cry and, this one guy who doesn't understand my mentality, the first thing he said was, you complain a lot. I go, no, you don't do what we do. Otherwise, <laughs> you'd understand the complaining, it's sharing. And I feel like I get it off my chest because I have an audience that is either going to understand, commiserate, or go, holy shit, I don't want to do that work. <laughs> it is a lot of work, you know? It, yeah. To, to do not look in the back end, it's, I mean, it's a lot of knowledge. Do you get a uh, do you get a lot of um, people um, contacting you asking about getting into the business and you know uh, if this, if this is for me and you know and expectations and stuff like that because I've been getting that quite a bit since I started the podcast and I try to 
know, be honest, because it is fulfilling. It is fun if you like a lot of change. But at the same time, it's like, why did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but overall, it's been it's been a good career. I can't complain. Well, I don't know. I get uh, some listeners that email and say, I want to be an Office 365 consultant. And I'm in this area. And I'm like, well, one guy actually called and he couldn't believe it. I called him back. I was like, well, I'll give you a few minutes just to tell you. And it turns out that after our conversation. You made, you made an episode of that. I remember that. Yeah, he went and, went and did something else. Now he's a help desk manager. <laughs> Carry <laughs> him away, apparently. But, but I remember you know, Yeah. I remember you know, you did have an episode where you're, ta- I think you had a whole episode about consulting and what yeah, you, his you questions. Know, that was yeah, the guy that I remember that very vividly. And I thought, I thought that was really awesome of you to take, cause you didn't have to do that. You really didn't. And to take the time to do that and, you know, put it as a podcast. That was, that was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, they, they, you know, back when I started my computer repair business, I only swear to God, I only had the geek squad to look up to because that was all they had in 2003. Mm-hmm. So I was, I mean, this is old days, you know, I haven't applied at Geek Squad back in 2003 because I lived in their town. But when you don't have anything to learn from back then, all I could do was dream, you know, and, and just create my own, like, well, here's what I want. Here's what I want my business to be. Well, now we're in a day and age where you can actually go and find people doing what you do and listen and learn. I mean, that wasn't around in 2007 so much. No, no. The, the amount of information now you know, starting out was almost like an encyclopedia. You know, you had an encyclopedia and, and basically those were books and you looked it up and, and I, my mentality has completely changed within probably the last two or three years. Uh, probably more than that. Whereas when I first started and I, you know, basically I did, I sacrificed, I just put a ton of hours. I still put a lot of hours in and I just worked really hard to gain the knowledge that I had. And basically I just like, that's my knowledge. I worked hard for it. It's mine. Yeah. And now I'm a complete 180 of that because now I'm like, I want to help, you know, I basically I've gone to the point where, I, you know, I, I was kind of a guilty pleasure. It's like, you know, we, we, we have a problem. What's the first thing we do? We go on forums, we go on Google, we go on, you know, um, you know, uh, experts exchange tech tips, you know, everything, you know, just there are a ton of different sites out there and you try to find the answer and then you find the answer and then it solves your problem. And then you, you don't even think twice about it. And that, and uh, that's really why I kind of started this was I wanted to take what I had and just get it out there. And hopefully it would help people, you know, save hours and months of research or whatever, at least get them on the, to the right path and just kind of go from there because I I've abused those types of services right. throughout my entire career. And then, you almost feel guilty about it to a point, and you're like, you know, I just felt like, you know, this that's not the right mentality I need to be, because I'm I'm a very private guy. I never, uh, you know, as far as Facebook and Twitter and all that, you know, I didn't, I never even been to the Twitter website until I started my podcast. <laughs> I noticed that was one of your first followers. <laughs> <laughs> I never even, I, know, I never, you know, tweet. No, I just never did. I was like I said, I'm just very private. I just never did that. So, so to do this and put myself out there was like a huge leap of faith for me mentally. And, um, but I'm glad I did because it's, 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 it's been an awesome ride. It's been an awesome ride. And I just, uh, and I have a lot more working up and just well, helping out the community. Like that, you're kind of like that talky tech nerd, but you're really kind of nerdy. So it's like, this is like your outlet to be social. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, digitally, well, I take a step back. What I mean by that digitally, I'm very private, but yeah. in person, I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm very open, very outgoing, you know, yeah. I, you know, whatever, but, but digitally, I just never you know, joined communities and never really went out there. And I just, I just, I don't know if it's just because I was so busy with young kids and everything. And I put so many hours in, but well, I've really enjoyed it so far. Well, the thing is about the tech communities is that, uh, back, you know, remember when I first met you, I was like, get into my communities on Facebook. Yes. And, and the thing is I found the value is that originally I think, you know, your idea of giving back to the community that's why these tech communities are so awesome is because techs naturally want to help each other fix shit. Yep. I don't know why, but I've never seen like my first tech online community. I loved was tech nibble and, you know, seeing other techs help each other. I was like, this really exists. I came from the school that my competition hated me and didn't want to help me. Right. Right. Yes. And that's how yeah. it was when I first started. All I had was Minneapolis people. I tried to outreach. They were like, screw you. You were on your own. Yeah. I literally for three years had no support. And then when I found Technobo, I was like, oh, my God, there's actually other people that want to, that want to help me. And I want to help them. And I had tons of marketing knowledge. So I was out there just pushing all that. 
yeah. will say this for people who want to get out there, if they have a strong work ethic, they really like this type of technology, the resources are out there I and mean, you have to bust your buns, but the resources out there. And if you have the drive, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot different than what it used to be. That's for sure. And, uh, but that's a good thing. Cause we need, yeah. we need more. T- I, honestly, in my career, um, a good tech is pretty rare, honestly. And um, you don't really to truly when either when you deal with one or you try to hire one or out there. I mean, we need more good techs. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and hopefully this will these resources I can just help contribute to producing better techs out there. Well, I think the techs listen and learn, and every, you know, the half the time as you go to school, you don't learn anything that we know. You learn school work work you know you get your certs you, you get all the school stuff you need but it's a it's the real life troubleshooting business operations managing client expectations all that that you learn by reading other tech stuff and figuring better solutions yeah i, I think one yeah. of the biggest things you'll get is um to me was time management and yeah. that's just going to come with experience i mean you can try to you know there's a billion tools out there and it's almost too many because it gets so overwhelming, you know, trying to keep yourself organized, but uh, trying to keep yourself time management is um, that's a biggie. Yeah, me too. I, except on the break fix level, it's a little different. And I'm just going to let you know that, that on my client agreement form that I put in there for the Gmail stuff. If anybody wants to check that out, I'm, I'm pretty brutal there because I really am tired of not managing expectations correctly with that. So that comes from years of experience. Yes, it does. Oh, yeah, it does. And data recovery efforts and all that stuff. Yeah, I hear yeah, I hear you um do a lot of that, like you know, recover, you know, converting OSTs to PSTs and then, you know, the the old fashioned scan PST, I guess, to fix the PST files and and uh gosh that those <laughs> those are those are brutal. I know. Well, hey Paul, let's uh, talk about your big pod nut show tomorrow. I'm going to get this show probably up and out tomorrow morning, so it might be delayed. But I'm letting folks know that today is Saturday, the 22nd. Paul is going to be on Pod Nuts on the 23rd with what Jeff Hallish? Yeah, the, it's the Pod Nuts Daily. It's very similar to this, where it's kind of like an interview esque. You know, yeah, uh, I've been on uh, Jeff's show a few times. Um, so if you're listening now, you can probably check out the recorded version later. I think Jeff gets it posted a few days out later and they also do, are you on the YouTube one? Uh, no, not that ah, how do you only, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't done anything with yeah YouTuber. Like I said, I don't have an all, you know, you know, a webcam right now. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. So, uh, you guys can <laughs> check the notes. I'll try to update it when I get all that stuff. But, um, I was originally on the Podnuts network, my first show, uh, was in 2013. It was called the Call That Girls Remote Support Show. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, I did not uh, know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I've actually pulled all the shows over to my Podbean network now. But originally, I was on there, and then in 2015, I think I went over to Podbean so I could just do my own stuff and market on my own and all that. But uh, I always give credit to the Podnet Show for helping me. You know, because I didn't know what I was doing back then. Um. No idea. Yeah, wonder there. I, I guess the president. I guess I think his name is Stephen. Um, yes, he, he actually um, sent me a couple messages st- stating that um, he was really impressed with what I've done so far, and he's like, um, he was basically hooked on it. And come from him, and oh. I was I, I was floored when he said, "I was like, man, that's 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 incredible." So I, I, I thought, and I told told that to my wife. I'm trying to make her understand these things. She's not technical. <laughs> And uh, just to give her some, just to give her some perspective, and uh, but yeah, I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. uh, It is pretty cool. And uh, door, his code name is Door to Door Geek. Yes, yes. That's how everybody calls him as Door. I've known him (laughs) for many years, and and I approached him to do my podcast show. I I, actually, what's funny is I started off being a guest with the old owner of Podnuts, Steve Trevino, and I was a guest on his show a few times. Then he got out of podcasting and then I did a show with, um, well, this is all, this time frame doesn't match up, but there was another guy that helped me produce a show called the business of marketing podcast. We called it the Bamcast, And I did like 20 shows on oh, my wow. own. Yeah. I had a website. His name was Larry that helped me produce that. And then, um, I actually interviewed Marcin Klachinski from Malware Bites on that show. Now we're talking 2011. Wow! Way back, I know before Malware Bites was so big. Yeah, that's um, back when that's back when their icon used to be red and black. 
Yeah, the old days. <laughs> they had old days. <laughs> I remember I was so ticked off. I was hustling around Minneapolis and I had to make it back for the show. And my internet went down in my office and my Skype wasn't working. And here I'm like so excited to interview Marson. And uh, well, anyway, so I had the BAMcast and then I started the remote support show. And then I switched the remote support show at Podnuts to be the Office 365 show. Because I was just like, this is all I'm doing now. You know, the remote support show, though, I had like 20 some episodes. Where all I talked about was remote support for wow. all types of computer repair. I talked about hardware. I talked about software. I talked about, yeah, just everything. But, you know, I had to just change it up. I'm like, I have an audience now with Office 365. And unfortunately, I'm not a sysadmin like you who can talk about administrative level, enterprise work, E5 plans. But you know, I still get a lot of fan mail from folks that are like, oh, I don't do that, but I, I still like the show. So, you know. And not like it's like from my perspective, you know, like I was telling you before, it's just um, there, it, it, it's almost impossible to be uh, an expert at every single level uh, of it because it's just so much uh, to do it. And um, so it's good to have resources with different perspectives, I guess, different strengths, I guess, um, in different areas. And you just basically, you know, try to, you know, with these in the podcast is just such an awesome tool where you can subscribe to these ones that have the different strengths and, you know, just stay on top of everything. Yeah. Well, one thing you're going to learn with your, I think you're on what show 19 now you've done. Uh, yes. So 20 is going to be a little milestone for me. Yep. Well, to let folks know that to have a podcast that's successful, I've learned through my years that you got to be consistent. And yes. Paul, you are being consistent and I'm very proud of you because a lot of people are like, I'm gonna start a podcast and then they never do it. Right. One out, but see the, the thing is you probably don't have a sponsor yet and you're not making money that happens, mm -hmm. but you got to keep up and get your fan base going and get the following. And that's why you're kind of like your own self, you know, you're famous to yourself. <laughs> you know, like, yes. I'm so famous. And then you keep charging out there and meeting new people. And eventually the show gets popularity and then you get um, fan mail and then you get your downloads get better and your feed links get better. And it's kind of exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's each month is better and better and better. And uh, compared to from, I basically started with nothing, knew nothing about podcasting, mm. you know, no audio experience, you know, experience whatsoever, uh, you know, other than, you know, like home audio and, you know, stuff for your car or whatever. But, right. um you know, I basically start from nothing. Uh, I basically use YouTube and Google to do all my research. There's, I can't, I, can, I wish I can give credit to these people that I don't remember it anymore, <laughs> but there's two or three YouTube channels that basically kind of helped you show you all the, what you need to do and, and you know, how to get set up. So I basically set, you know, cause I'm not a website person either. So I, you know, set up the website from scratch, you know, find out the good. hardware you need and, um, you know, uh, you know, what tools, you know, you need to use and, and just, and go from there because before I made my first episode, I mean, it probably took I was probably researching for about two, like hardcore research for like at least two months. Really? And, yeah, just to get everything researched, get everything what I need, and then I finally got my first script written down. You know, find the non royalty you know music and all that kind of stuff, and then you know, and then build it that way. So, um, I mean, I really did have to start from ground zero for me. Well, first. You actually are self-producing and you did um, not what I did. See, what I did was I just recorded it by myself in my basement and I sent all the stuff to door and let him edit it. <laughs> <laughs> but so here's what I had to do, though, is similar to you is I'd already known about podcasting back in the day. So I just created an outline of what I wanted to talk about and then I just free talked it. Okay. And I didn't. I, here's nothing you need tips, but. You know, from my interested is, you know, free talking is so much better than following a written out script talking. Mm -hmm. um, and you could do it in the beginning or whatever. But I found that even with guests, it's just better to free talk and let the conversation roll. And you can figure out segues. Like if the, the conversation dries up, you can go pick up. That's why I have an outline of what we're going to talk about next. And you just try to roll it in. <laughs> well, people don't know. But I think you don't have any guests yet, right? No, I haven't done any guests yet. This, uh, to be quite frank, this is uh, kind of a, you know, a milestone for me. This is my first ever guest appearance on anything. Oh, so, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty. <laughs> so, so you're it, Lisa. You're my first. Yeah. Pop your cherry. <laughs> you're a good. Uh, you know, I listened to some of your shows. That's I don't hilarious. listen to all of them. I did. I, I broke your podcasting cherry. But the thing is that I don't. 
sometimes these guys in their podcasts are too technical. I don't like Linux. I don't want to learn it. You know, there's yeah. so many things. So it's really hard to fine tune, you know, especially if you have a guest on, you have to make sure the guest likes your stuff. Yes. You know? Yeah. Common interests. Yes. Right. You'll get there eventually. You'll have guests on because there's a lot of people that like talking, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it's. I tell you what, one thing about being behind the microphone to me personally, it's been, it's been very addictive. You know, it's very addictive and uh, you just want to keep talking about all kinds of cool things, but you have to, you know, cause I do that. I try to keep myself, I try not go no more than 45 minutes personally. Cause then just, I think it, you just overkill them. But that, uh, so I, I try to keep myself least scripted to a point where I, I'm staying within a, a, you know, a certain time situation. And so you really have to, um, you know, uh, watch yourself, watch your time. <laughs> that's, well, that's been tough to do. Well, the thing is when you're self, okay. So like you do the, the same thing I do, I'm sometimes the only guest, right. And I tell my stories, but I always have like another story to go to and stuff. And a lot of podcasting people don't have their own show and they're their only person. Mm -hmm. So I got to give you a kudos for that because a lot of people always have guests. They're more the host. Right. Now, and then they want your content to fill up the, the podcasting, you know, which is just fine. And there's some other people that are doing a Zoom now. Um, Matthew Rodella and Paco LeBron are doing it. They changed up their whole podcast show to be more a marketing, um, right? Marketing. Yeah. The yeah. business. Oh, shit. What is it called? Business computer marketing or something. Something like that. Yeah. Business. Oh, yeah. I can put a link in the show notes, but they're doing something different. Um, they're doing it live in Zoom, and then they have people in the show and they're putting it out on the interwebs and. Uh, video, which a lot of people like the video. Some people still like podcasting where it's just audio only. Right. No, I kind of, I tried it and I just said, screw the video. <laughs> audio. Yeah. I, before I can get to video, uh, which I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever, you know, do video. I just, uh, so I, I still got a lot to learn with audio before I can venture out to video. Well, the, the problem with video with me is, is that I don't uh, look pretty every single day. So it really bothered me that I had to look pretty. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I I, I, you think about that. Yeah. Like, I guess like, oh, I got to put, you know, you know, got to put on a shirt. You know? <laughs> well, the thing is, if you're on camera all the time, you do have to look your best. And people are like, well, who cares? Go looking like crap. I'm like, no, I'm not going to look on YouTube looking like crap. But, but, you know, I live in the desert and it's hot and sweaty and the hair's up in a bun all day. So there you go. Man, that's, that's, that's awesome. I know. It's so hot here. <laughs> I tell you, our, our dew point. Yesterday, our dew point was 80. I don't even know what dew point is. Well, tr 70 is tropical. So that basically means like the amount of moisture in the air, your humidity. Because oh. I'm on, I, li I literally live on the east coast of Virginia, uh, Virginia, Virginia Beach. Oh. So, I mean, the it's sweltering. I, like you walk outside, it's like you're just like you're walking into water. And so 70 is considered tropical. And we were at 80. Oh my God. Guess what my dew point is here in Vegas? You're pretty dry. I'm guessing like. <laughs> 60s it's, it's like negative 70 there is <laughs> it's like no it's actually 48 <laughs> oh that's nice that's, that's what our humidity is 14 uh our, our humidity like like right now like right now 72 the new point is 72 right now for this. <laughs> uh i'll just end this by saying i miss my moist minnesota weather and the smelling of birds chirping and the smell of grass I'll put a teaser out there, folks. I'm going to probably end up going back to Minneapolis. I just don't think I can handle it here anymore. Is, 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 is it just heat-wise? The heat's just brutal. You know, everybody's like, it's a dry heat. I'm like, you know what? It's freaking dry. It's hot. It's hot. I mean, heat's heat. You know? It's heat. And when you go outside, I'm used to it now. So I just don't go outside till it's like under 110. And uh, I definitely don't go outside longer unless it's like 102 because I, it really is hot. And your car actually stinks and it smells it's it's just so dry and my tires are orange and i'm like oh so anyway most of my listeners paul know that i've traveled for many years right they're not shocked to hear that i'm potentially i'm not going to move away from vegas i'm just gonna get a summer place like a cheap apartment up there because i don't want to be in the heat anymore i don't i tell you um, well i would say that i'm different because i've been here all my life is I just don't do well with cold weather. So I take, I'll take heat over the cold weather. That's just me personally. 
Well, I'm going to take cold weather in the summer over this. So, but All I love Vegas right for the winter because it is so cool to go out and shop in your shorts in January and just, you know, you don't really, I don't miss the cold, but I don't mind it, I guess. <laughs> well, anyway, Paul, I think we're kind of nearing down the end of the show here. What I'm going to tell folks is this show notes are going to be important this week because we're going to put Paul's link. He's got some other, um, what else you got? You showed me on Facebook, uh, well, to something else. Well, I had um, you're talking about migrations, and I didn't know if this was oh, going to yeah. be some some migration stuff. Um, um, so oh, I was like, I ri- originally I thought we were going to be talking about some migrations oh, and stuff yeah. too. So I, I didn't know. Um, so I was like, what's, what? So basically, what I sent you is does not pertain to this. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I really had enjoyed having you on. So we're going to have you back again where we do talk about migrations with with your level because I don't do them, and I'm quite interested, and others will be too because you do a lot of them. Uh, so we'll put those links out next show we do, and then we'll put your podcast, um, anything else you want out there. And I think I was going to put that Gmail link. Um, what else was I going to put out? I don't want to forget the Gmail link for expectations, try- your show. Um, yeah, yeah we try to think of the talking thing, but anything. I know we talked about some hot map stuff. Oh, I think that's what you're talking. Um, yeah. Well, the show will be important. I got to say, I'm quite impressed that you put together a whole website. I cheated and I did not. I used the Podbean. So I can, I, I just like Podbean. So I can, it's like WordPress. I can put it together quick. Right. I can see my stats. I actually am at 112 feet, 112,000 feed links now. Feed something. I know. That's, an, that's insane. Well, you know what? I was actually pretty, uh, I, I checked the other day and this is for people that don't know much about the back end of podcasting, but a feed hit from what I know is like someone touched it, but they didn't download it. So it's kind of like the download is different than a feed click. I'm at 112,000 feed stats and I'm not exactly sure. And then at 33,577 downloads since 2016, January. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, just between just between me and you, I'm getting ready to to hit my since February. I'm getting ready to hit my. I'm really close to my ten ten thousandth download. Jesus, and this is still not between me and you. This is still recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, it's nothing really. Uh, well, nothing. I can, we can edit that out, but I think it's funny. You're like just between me and you and the world. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like you're talking about the show notes and stuff like that. I don't know what, how far <laughs> much. Man, that, well, if you want to cut out, but I think that's cute. But you know what? The ten thousand and eighteen shows is awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I have no idea what you know from. Um, I don't know if that's good or not. To be honest with you, that but. is Paul. And for the listeners who want to do podcasting, I'm going to say that that is very good. Ten thousand downloads. So you're doing well. Congrats. Yeah, I'm really, really close to that. So, um, but it's been. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's um learning every, every time I do it, I learn something new every day. But uh well, our, but, our listeners are gonna learn that. Some might want to do podcast shows. But one thing I'm gonna let you know is that you should never compare your podcast with another one in terms of popularity or things like that, because you almost can't. No podcast is the same, you know. Yeah, that's very true. And it's funny you say that because I was trying to, you know, you, you you're kind of curious what you do. You know, you kind of, you know, you know, go on iTunes, go on different places and you kind of look and, you know, see what's out there. And I'm like, man, that's really not a lot out there for at least what I was trying to produce as far as content. And I said, you know, and, you know, something kind of, it, it kind of, it was kind of, you know, it, you know, you know, you're not, you know, that feeling you get when you're, you're supposed to do something, but you kind of push it down. He's like, nah, I don't want to do it, but it keeps coming back over and over again. That's kind of what happened with me in podcasting. Yeah. So, um, but everything somebody told me is like, you got to have a website, make sure you control the RSS feed. Da, 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 da. No. Cause I use, uh, I use Libsyn uh, myself yeah. and uh, they seem to become highly rated and they, um, um, so far so good. Well, you know what, Paul, I use Podbean because I'm kind of more end user, like WordPressy person. I don't like having to do anything that you do, like all the two months of prepping. I was like, screw it, I'm just going to do it. That's <laughs> what I do, and I like it easy. So, <laughs> listeners, we got a great show here with Paul this week. We learned about his job and what he does in managed services and support. We learned about a lot of Office 365 fun, and we talked about his podcasting. So, <laughs> Good stuff. Close it with, we're not going to edit this out, Paul, because it was funny. Okay. 
No, no, I'm cool. No, I really yeah. am. Like I said, I got nothing to hide. <laughs> no, I like that between me and you and I'm like in the world. But it's good for, you know what? I'm not afraid of sharing stats with people. I mean, it's really not. If someone's listening is like, I want to do that. You actually only started what in February and you got a lot more than I do. And I'm not like jealous. I'm like, but he did two months more work than I did. You know, it, I didn't put in the time to do that. So, you know. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like I got, you know, I think I just got lucky. I don't know. I think um, a couple like uh, Tech Gen X, I think, picked up on it. I think they kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, funny story, real quick, though. Um, like my second episode in, no lie, somebody contacted me, heard my first two or three episodes, and they offered to like, we'll pay you to do these. But oh, I turned it, awesome. but I actually, but actually I turned it down because I just didn't feel comfortable. I wanted to get myself brought up and uh and go from there but it's it's just been nuts it's just been crazy well the thing is i don't think honestly that there's a lot of podcasts with people talking about sysadmin stuff i don't see it no i don't either probably got yourself a little niche and guess what you are telling stories that only sysadmin wants to hear so they want to listen in and and you know or whatever it's the niche i mean not everybody's niche is for everybody hey Sorry, yeah, my, ki- my kids. Okay. <laughs> I got twin. I got twin boys, and they just oh, ran into the oh. ran into my office. That's cute. Sorry hey, about that. Daddy, no problem. Well, you know, Paul, I'm gonna have you back here again because we never really did talk about the migration stuff, but I enjoyed having you here the whole time. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Well, I'm gonna close out the show, and uh, this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. That's it, folks, and see you next week. And be sure to email me if you have any questions or any comments about the show, lisa at callthatgirl.biz.